0: Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Word of God for our special consideration this morning is our first lesson, 2 Kings 4, 18-37. As printed in your bulletin and already read. Dear friends in Christ, our reading today from 2 Kings 4 was already kind of long, so it didn't include the the background information, which uh, explains the history between Elisha the prophet and the woman of Shunem. And that story, that earlier information, informs some of the things that she says to him and what we did read, so it's good to review it. The town of Shunem was on the way for Elisha as he passed back and forth through Israel. And one day when he stopped there, a wealthy woman invited him to stay and eat with her, and it soon became a a habit. After a while, she suggested to her husband that they prepare a small room for Elisha on the roof of their house so that whenever the prophet came to, to them, he could stay there. Her husband agreed, and so the next time Elisha came, he he made use of the room and and rested there. And he wanted to express his appreciation for this generosity. So he had his servant Gehazi ask her if there was anything that, that he could do for her, perhaps some request to put to the king or the commander of the army. But she said that she was content. So Elisha asked his servant, What can we do for her then? And Gehazi pointed out, She has no son, and her husband is old. Prophet would have recognized immediately what this meant. It wasn't just that this woman really, really wanted a baby boy. It was that as good as her life was at that moment, It could easily fall apart, and fairly quickly, too. She was still young, but her husband was old, meaning that he would likely die long before she did, and she would have no one to support or look after her as a widow, and it would be far from certain that she would gain control of his wealth when he passed. Having a son who could grow up to support her, and who in the shorter term would have a claim to his father's estate, would not only give meaning and love to her life, but would give her security for her future. So Elisha had Gehazi call the woman again. And she came and she, she stood in the doorway to his new room. And then, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he spoke words that were not mere positive thinking, but were prophecy. At this time next year, you will be holding a son. Now, I am sure that she never expected him to say anything like that to her. We might then expect her to react with joy or excitement at such amazing news We'd assume it would be one of the most welcome things he could have said to her. But something else gets a hold of her heart. She said, No, my Lord, you man of God. Do not deceive your servant. That—that That is not faith speaking. But it isn't exactly a lack of faith either. What it is, is fear Overpowering faith and worry wiping away what should be joy. We, we know this from what she says to Elisha after she goes to him in grief and terror over the death of her son and grasping his feet finally expresses what's in her heart. Did I, did I ask my Lord for a son? Didn't I say, don't give me false hope? Didn't I say meant I was afraid of being disappointed and ending up worse than I was. I wasn't perfectly happy, but I had enough, and I had resigned myself to childlessness. And then then you gave me hope. I told you not to do that. And now I have lost much more than if God had never given me that gift in the first place. This is just the kind of thing I was worried about. Why did you, why did the Lord, why do this to me? Didn't I say? Chances are good that you are familiar with that kind of thinking. Some of us do it more than others, of course, but but within every one of us is that same impulse to avoid future difficulties or disappointments by refusing to hope, or even by refusing good things in the present. This is sensible when it's something like, I really, really want the Redskins to win the Super Bowl this year, but I don't want to get my hopes up. But when it is something like, I know God has promised to meet all our needs, and I know that children are part of His intention for and plan for marriage, but, you know, there is just so much that could go wrong if we had kids, or or the, it would be so much trouble if we had another one, so so I think that we'll just have to say no to that gift, just rule it out altogether. Well, that kind of thinking is something different. That is letting fear overpower faith. And we, we often don't even realize that we're doing this until after the fact, saying, didn't I say? Or I knew when we didn't really say or know before. We just feared or worried about it. I I knew that opening up and making a new friend was a bad idea. I wouldn't have been hurt so badly if i just kept to myself. Didn't I say that moving here for a new job was a bad idea? Everything that's gone wrong is because I trusted that things would work out and I should have just listened to my heart and stuck with the old job as much as I hated it. Or even, I knew better than to try a new recipe when the boss and his wife came over for dinner. Now I'm sure I'll be out of a job by next week. Why do we think and say such things? when we know God's promises to always take care of us, to always hear our prayers, and and to work all things out for our good? Why do we still insist on trying to arrange every aspect of our lives to eliminate any possibility of disappointment as though our happiness, safety, and success are entirely and only up to us? Why don't we just relax? and trust the all-powerful Lord of the universe to do what He has said He will do for us, knowing that He loves us, knowing that He loves us so much that He sent His Son Jesus to suffer and die on the cross to save us. Why? Because we are still sinful people. We have a vision problem. We easily and naturally focus on the problems that we see right in front of us instead of on the promises that we find in God's Word. And sometimes it's not even the problems in front of us. It's merely potential problems in the future, so far in the future, that that they fill us with such fear that we we, we try, try to arrange not just our lives but But even God's blessings to us in such a way that those problems could never, never ever happen. And in the meantime, we end up refusing gifts that God really wants us to have or not enjoying blessings that we already have. It sounds foolish when you put it that way, doesn't it? But sinners are known for doing foolish things. So sometimes when something goes wrong, or something just doesn't go the way we wanted, or when some bad thing that we predicted happens, instead of turning to the Lord for help or rejoicing in the good that He has already done for us, we start playing, I told you so. Didn't I say this would happen, Lord? Didn't I tell you not to get my hopes up? Wouldn't it have been wiser for me not to trust you in the first place? And instead of holding on to our faith in the face of troubles, we fill our hearts with doubt and maybe even despair. Sometimes we do this in arrogance, presuming that we know better than God. Sometimes it's self-centeredness, seeing everything only in terms of our own happiness. But most often it's fear, and worry overpowering our faith, like like that woman from Shunem. We fail to focus on the grace of God in both his giving and his gifts, and we end up seeing only our troubles. But still, still the Spirit works within us with the faith that's left. That's God in his grace and love and mercy for us. And that's what we see with the Shunemite woman. She doesn't just wail and moan after her son, the son given to her just as the Lord had promised her through Elisha, after her son dies in her arms. No, she understands where to go with her problems. Back to the Lord, which means for her going back to Elisha. In faith that the God who so graciously gave her her son in the first place will graciously give him back, She doesn't tell her husband what has happened or why she's going to the prophet. She just says, peace, it's all right. And when Gehazi asks her what's wrong, again she says, peace, it's all right. She doesn't know what will happen next. All her fears have already come true. But she knows that she has a powerful and merciful Lord And she will share her troubles only with his representative and trust that God will give a solution. And so we do not see Elisha greet her with a rebuke for any lack of faith or with a lecture on the impertinence of her grasping at his feet. Instead, he offers her grace, mercy, and compassion. He knows something is wrong. But not what? Not until she speaks about her son with such grief and sorrow. So he sends Gehazi quickly to try reviving the boy and goes with the woman himself. And when his servant's attempt is insufficient, Elisha prays and himself becomes a conduit for the life-giving power of God and raises the boy from the dead. the prophet's actions, and then those grief-shattering words to the woman, pick up your son, pick up your living, breathing, sneezing son. Those words become God's way of saying to her and to all, didn't I say? Didn't I tell you that I could be trusted? Have I not promised to always come through for my people? Didn't my gift of a son in the first place tell you that I will always deal graciously with you? It's almost as though Christ's words to Martha were echoing back through the centuries, through Elisha's words and actions. What Jesus said in today's Gospel was an even greater answer to grief and worry. and It has the power to destroy all our fears of the future and our dread of death, whether our own or of those we love. Whether from sudden sunstroke, old age, a long-term illness, or a raging pandemic like COVID-19. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live, even if he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never perish. When still Martha questions, when still her faith is overcome and all she sees is problems instead of the grace and power of her loving Lord, he answers with his own, Didn't I say? Did I not tell you? If you believe you will see the glory of God. That was the answer for Lazarus' sister and her grief, and the answer for the woman of Shunem and hers. And God came through for both, loving them with power and mercy, just as he said. And we, too, will see the glory of God when we believe what he has to tell us. Are you feeling guilty? overwhelmed by your sin, unable to see any hope of heaven? Well, didn't Jesus say that He, the Son of Man, came to seek and to save the lost and then go to the cross to save you? Are you overcome by fear of what might happen to you or to those you love, especially with the panic of this pandemic? Well, Didn't Jesus say, Surely I am with you always until the end of the age? Didn't God say of Himself through Peter, Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you? Are you struggling with the desires of your sinful flesh or the temptations of the sinful world around you? Are you suffering trouble and difficulty in your life, in your work, in your school, online, because you follow and belong to Jesus. Well, didn't we just hear Paul say, our sufferings at the present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed in us? Are you feeling weak and overburdened? exhausted not just with the things that you have to do, but with trying to be the person that you think you need to be for yourself and for others. Well, didn't your Savior say to you, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, because I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Whatever it is that you might be dealing with, whatever problem, real or imagined, might be looming large and obscuring your view of God's Son, look away from your troubles and listen to God's Word. This, of course, is why it's so important to spend time in and with the Word, hearing it preached and taught and and reading and studying it yourself. Because it is in the Bible that you are reminded over and over of the good news that you need every day. You are God's own dear child, washed in the blood of Christ, redeemed, restored, recreated, and waiting for the hope of the resurrection. He has promised to meet your every need. And whenever it is necessary that you or whoever leaves this life for the next, He will meet you at heaven's door and welcome you home. So there is nothing to fear, never any reason for worry. Your loving Lord can be trusted in everything and for everything. That's what he said and what he has always shown us. Amen. Please rise. Now to him who is able, according to the power that is at work within us, to do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.